It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahedy. It's the end of one year and the beginning of another and a very happy new year to everyone. This week we continue a look at dairy farm business and plans for 2022 and there's more on the sheep sector too in the programme. The Irish Drinks Industry Annual Review shows a resilient sector in the face of adversity but how has it been for craft producers and those who supply the industry from the land? Food waste is probably more topical than ever at this time of the year. We hear how inaptified global food waste has it in the bag. And John O'Connor has more on the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. Agreement on fish quotas now gives certainty to Irish fishers in the coming year. That statement came from the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, as he welcomed the EU-UK agreement on fish quotas for next year, 2022. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine pointed out that the total allowable catches, TACs, for shared stocks in 2022 were as follows. The agreement covers all our whitefish stocks, including haddock, cod, whiting, monkfish, prawns, sole and plaice, and other stocks, including horse mackerel and herring. The Minister said negotiations with the UK on the fishing quotas began in early November and had proven very difficult, particularly in relation to stocks in the Celtic Sea. The negotiations commenced on the basis of the scientific advice from the International Council for the Exploration of the Seas, ICES, but there had been significant differences between the parties on how this scientific advice would be applied in mixed fisheries. Minister McConnellogue emphasised that throughout the process he had worked closely with the EU Commissioner, Sinkevius, to protect Ireland's key interests in these negotiations. He thanked the Commissioner and his negotiating team for their hard work over the last number of weeks. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Port Bia are currently running a campaign to promote Irish seafood. Ken Ecock is an experienced fishmonger working in the industry for 22 years. He runs Ocean Path Seafood, which was started by his father in the 1970s and delivers a wide range of seafood products to stores around the country, including Cork. I began by asking Ken about the current state of the fishing industry from his perspective. I think it's been quite a challenging year, particularly for the fishing sector. I think the direct result of Brexit and the reduction in Irish quotas being cut by 15% or, or the value of €43 million Euro has had a significant impact. And I think that the road ahead is very unclear for them, especially at the moment with regards to the quota discussions that are going on at EU level at the minute. Um, and I'd say there's a lot of uncertainty out there. 
as a result of the Brexit Task Force, just talking to commissioning 60 vessels. At the moment, we have, I think, in the region of about 100 invest, 150 vessels tied up under the voluntary tie-up scheme. So from a knock-on from that, from our position, we're having great difficulty in sourcing Irish fish, what our customers want. Um, and there's significant difficulty with availability of supply. You travel up and down the length and breadth of the country. Is, is it the same for everyone, or are there areas doing better than others, as you might see in, in other sectors? I think it would appear to be the same for everybody across the fishing sector. Now, it's, it's different when you come to the processing sector because we obviously have a significant amount of imports. If you look specifically, say, at cod, which is the number two species in Ireland, you know, sales of cod in 2020 when the region of about 46 million we only have quota for about 2 million so that has to be imported so from a processor point of view we're taking in fish from abroad to satisfy our customers needs whereas we'd much prefer to be able to source irish fish buy irish fish and process irish fish because that's what our customers want they want as much irish fish as possible we're almost two years into this pandemic ken how has that affected the industry um i think it's brought in a lot of challenges um, around operations um, we obviously had to put in various different COVID protocols that we had to keep updating and, you know, retraining, re-educating our staff. The different advice that obviously changes depending on where we are within the pandemic around close contact vaccinations. You know, if we have a potential close contact, do they have to isolate if they're vaccinated? They don't unless it's household. If they're not vaccinated, they do for 14 days. There's been some reluctance within some of the, I suppose, production staff to getting vaccinated, um, which creates a difficulty in itself as well. I suppose it's added a huge amount of cost to the business as well across various different new protocols that we would have put in and new equipment uh, to making sure that the, the workplace is as safe as possible as it can be for our staff. It's a busy time for you and your business. It's extremely busy. We've been 24 hours now in one of our smoked salmon plants for the last four to six weeks. There's a huge demand around smoked salmon at Christmas time. It's become a staple. We've kind of added to it now over the years um, with some delicious Irish crab meat. One thing that I've only started to like now in the last two years um, is oysters. And your own company, Ocean Pass, have you links with Cork here with business, Ken? We do. We buy a lot out of Castletown Bear there. They'd be one of our big suppliers of Irish whitefish. So we would take a lot from uh, John Nolan there in Castletown Bear over the year. So we would buy a lot. Roaring Water Bay, Colin Hooley supplies all of our mussels. Lovely organic mussels there from, from Colin. So we buy as much as we can out of Cork. And as I said, Castletown Bear is the biggest port in Ireland. So um, without us, we would uh, be fairly stuck when it comes to supply. Ministers McCon Logue, Hackett and Hayden welcome government agreement on the submission of the draft CAP strategic plan to the European Commission. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue TD, and Ministers of State, Senator Pippa Hackett and Martin Hayden TD, have welcomed agreement by the Government to submit Ireland's draft CAP strategic plan, CSP, to the European Commission by the deadline of 1st of January 2022, provided for in e-regulations. Speaking after the government's meeting, Minister McConlogue said he was delighted that his government colleagues had agreed to the submission of the draft CAP strategic plan over the coming days. He said this CAP is a farmer-friendly and fair one which will offer confidence and clarity around our farm payments over coming years. Minister McConlogue said this will be an important milestone in the development of the plan, but it will not be the final step. Further detailed engagement will take place with the European Commission in the first half of next year, 2022, and the approval process is likely to last between six and nine months, with the plan coming into effect on 1st of January, 2023. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine say they are now putting the final 
technical arrangements in place for the submission of the plan to the European Commission via its dedicated SFC IT system. In an initial reaction, the IFA President Tim Cullen said the proposed CAP strategic plan signed off by the Cabinet did not strike the right balance between environmental, economic and social sustainability. He warned the plan would hit a cohort of our most productive farmers, whom he warned again would see a devastating cut in their basic payment. Many beef, sheep and tillage farmers who do not have off-farm income will find it very difficult to achieve viability. He said the cap results in money being redistributed amongst farmers through convergence, otherwise known as CRIS, complementary redistributive income support for sustainability, CRIS, and eco-schemes. It's very complex, he warned, and many farmers will be in for a big shock when they see the cut in their BPS basic payment scheme in 2023. The IFA leader said the minister could have put more funding into programmes to support beef, sheep and tillage farmers, but he had decided to say no. These sectors, he said, would need further national supports if they are to survive as we know them. The IFA president pointed out that Minister McConnell-Logue had decided to take 25% from each farmer's basic payment to put it towards new eco-schemes. While the IFA would acknowledge his efforts to make these schemes more accessible, they will cost farmers money to participate in, and he said they are untested. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Well, in a radio interview, the IFA President Tim Cullinan spoke about the draft cap strategic plan and how it would affect beef, sheep and tillage. It was important that there was proper targeted payments for those cohort of farmers. These are the farmers that are working full-time on their farms, trying to make a living from their farms. And um, the fact that there isn't a, a direct target of payment for those farmers, the possibility to make those farmers unviable, I don't know, they may not be able to continue doing what they're doing. Thousands of farmers, in, in you know, farmers that, as I say, are full-time farming, making a living from farming, and this is going to make it very difficult for them going forward into the future. And you know, the minister is saying that he will come forward with budgets in the future. But what we wanted to see was a commitment from the minister for those farmers you know, that there will be a plan for them. IFA President Tim Cullinan. Well, Caroline Jennings is with us again this week. She has an update on West Cork ploughing. Since I was speaking with you last, Barry, we've had um, a novice match. The Cork West Club held that on Sunday the 19th of December on the lands of the Toomey family, this land. And the results were as follows. Um, in the conventional class, first was Katie Hayes, second was Deirdre Nine, third was James Jennings, fourth was Jeff Witcherly, fifth was Michael White, and in the reversible, it was Eugene O'Donovan. Farm Talk on C103. A delegation from the IFA National Grain Committee has met with the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, to discuss the impact of the draft cap reforms on commercial tillage farmers in Ireland. The IFA President, Tim Cullinan, led the delegation. The IFA Grain Committee Chairman, Mark Brown, said that there were over 4,500 specialist tillage farmers in the country and many of their incomes would be significantly reduced by the new cap proposals. A tillage farmer with 400 euros a hectare entitlements will be at least 120 euro a hectare worse off by 2027 when eco-schemes, CRIS and convergence are factored in. IFA asked the Minister for Agriculture to address the issue. Minister McConnell acknowledged the many difficulties facing tillage farmers in coming years. 
The difficulties facing leased entitlements in the coming years were also highlighted to Minister McConnell and his team. Over 40% of the tillage area is based on leased or rented lands and the sector must remain competitive in this land market, the IFA Grain Committee Chairman Mark Brown pointed out. Finally, the delegation raised the urgent need for a specialist tillage scheme with the Minister to address the reduction in income which will be faced by tillage farmers from 2023. Mark Brown pointed to the Strong Corporation Measure, SIM, and a €7 million coupled protein aid fund as being very positive developments, but, he emphasised, another scheme is required for the tillage sector. Mark Brown concluded by pointing out that the Ag Climatised 2030 document published by the government states that the tillage area of Ireland must be maintained, if not increased. But, he said, it was difficult to see how this would be possible without further financial support to the sector. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. This week we conclude our annual review of the sheep sector with Michael Gottstein, Head of Sheep Programme, Knowledge Transfer Department, Tiagask. Later a look at flock health issues. But first, grass growth and challenges in 2022. Uh, sheep farmers cannot simply afford to buy the same amount of chemical fertiliser that they purchased in 2021. Our, our challenge really is going to be how do, we, how do we grow the grass to feed the livestock on our farm um, with less fertiliser. You know, and that and that's the challenge that everybody is going to be facing um, across all the enterprises. You know, um, are going to be facing this. So I suppose look at the, the couple of points here are, you know, keep as much grass possible for the spring grazing. Use or create paddocks um, so that you have at least five grazing divisions per grazing group next spring, and that that's a good figure to have in your head. So you know, if you've got a bunch of of suckler cows and you have a bunch, two bunches of yours. Well, you have three different grazing groups going around, so you need 15 permanent divisions. And by having these permanent divisions that they rotate around on, it allows you to protect the regrowths and it allows you to grow more grass, in particular in the springtime, which is when we're generally under the most pressure um, for, for, for grass. The other thing is, look at people might be planning, look, I was going to reseed this field um, next spring, probably the year to postpone that. You know, even a, a field that isn't growing an awful lot of grass will obviously grow an awful lot more grass in the springtime if it's not ploughed and, and waiting for seeds to germinate. So I'd be saying, you know, postpone your plans for, for reseeding so that you can maximise the grass availability because you're not just going to have that chemical fertiliser to grow as much as you normally would. Use slurry um, or any fertiliser that you have strategically where it will give you the best return. I already mentioned that. Get rid of passengers early. So every, on every farm we have passengers. Barry, we have sheep that, you know, aren't in lamb at scanning time. We have yews that are you know poor doers rear poor lambs we have yours that are maybe scanned in lamb but lose their lambs and 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 at lambing time or slightly before it we could have your lambs that we put to the ram but didn't take the ram they're not in lamb so on highly stocked farms i suppose um people will have to get rid of these because they'll have to reduce this the stock number somewhat um but even on the lower store lowly lower stocked farms there's the opportunity for people to maybe cut back a little bit. Um, and, and very often, a small reduction in stock and rate gives you a much bigger reduction in, in fertilizer requirement. So that's something that people should consider. Um, get rid of an unproductive sheep. Maybe some of the higher stocked farmers will be thinking of selling yours with single, scanning land with singles or things like that, just to, to, to reduce the numbers um, that are there. And then I suppose lastly, next spring, very when people have finished um, their winter 
uh, period indoors and they're turning out yours and lambs and cows and cattle and everything is going out onto the grass. Um, do a winter feed budget at that stage just to check to see how much silage you've left. There's a lot of silage and forage on farms at the moment because last year was quite good. Um, so, you know, see how much silage, hay, whatever you've left and then work out roughly how much you need for the coming winter and that that will allow you to maybe reduce the amount of silage ground that you need to close up um, and you'll spare the, the fertilizer on growing that surplus winter forage that you don't need and you'll be able to use it maybe to, to grow a bit of more grass for grazing. And finally then Michael, flock health, just a few quick points on that. What will be the main issues here? Lameness is, is one uh, big issue on sheep farms. You know, we probably have a lot more sheep farmers in the country if we didn't have lame sheep. Knocks condition off yours um, every single day that they're lame. Okay, so a lame, a lame yo or lamb or ram is not just a sheep that cannot walk and is kneeling down. A lame sheep is a sheep that is, is you know, is lame a long time before it gets to that stage. So really keep an eye on, on lameness. Any sheep, even the slightest little bit of a hobble or a limp, unusual gait, that sheep, there's something wrong with its feet. It's not foraging right. It's losing condition. Um, need to get on top of it. So the quicker you get on top of that, um, the more money you save. And I know that's, you know, I keep sheep myself, Barry. It's very easy to say that sitting here on the phone talking to you. But really, you know, the, the quicker you get in and treat that, uh, the better for the sheep and for your pocket. The second one, I suppose, is parasites. Um, so, you know, sheep, lots of, of internal and external parasites. I suppose in the older yaws, when we're talking about mature sheep, mature sheep, yaws or rams, really liver fluke is what we're talking about inside uh, internal parasites. Stomach worms are not an issue in adult sheep, by and large, by and large, unless you have a demonstrated need, you know, you've come across some issue uh, by, you know, veterinary diagnosis, you wouldn't be treating them for worms, just for flu. Lice, so we see a bit of biting lice and sucking lice and, and maybe sheep scab as well. So they're the external parasites and look at the, the treatment of choice for those is, is dipping, plunge dipping. That's the best way of, of treating those. And then look at the last one that I, 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 I want to mention here, Barry, is what we call the iceberg diseases. And the iceberg diseases are, are diseases that you generally, you know, only see the tip of the iceberg. You know, when you see the couple of sheep with that, there's generally a much bigger problem under the water or in the flock. And those are things like um, CLA, Medivisna, things like that, uh, Yaxite or wheelbarrow disease. We're seeing that some of those uh, yones as well. We see that in cattle, but also in sheep. We're, we're, it's basically sheep that start pining, pining and dying. And look, at this year is, is not the year to try and nurse those sheep along with extra meal and, and try and get them to rear their lambs. You know, cull hard on those ones. Get them out of the flock. They're spreading the disease. You know, ideally, if you've got a couple of them, you know, if any of them die, send them to the regional medicine lab to find out what's, what's causing it and put in place a plan to basically deal, deal with it going forward. A new solar energy pilot project has been launched for farmers. IFA and Board Gosh Energy say they've launched what they describe as a comprehensive solar pilot for farmers. The project, which has been in development for over a year, has just now reached a key milestone with the successful installation and commissioning of two farms. Martin Stapleton, chairman of the IFA member services, said that the IFA and Board Gosh Energy had invested a significant amount of time in this project. For rooftop solar on farms to be adopted in large numbers, farmers would require a capital grant of up to 60% to achieve a reasonable payback. 
Mr. Stapleton said, to ensure there is a successful adoption of solar, it must be clear it does not take from any of the existing capital grants open to farmers. At the launch, James Kelly, IFA's Director of Organisations, said, this important partnership with Borgosh Energy will see solar energy installation on up to 15 farms across a number of sectors and regions. The purpose of this pilot is to establish what works commercially and also to identify the challenges which would create barriers to its implementation. James Kelly said the farming community wanted to play an active part in the Green Agenda. And this is a very real demonstration of this commitment, which also reduces cost inputs for farmers, as well as helping government deliver on the 2030 carbon reduction targets. Colin Bevington, Director of Energy, Marketing and Data at Board Gosh Energy, said, Board Gosh Energy is committed to contributing to a net zero carbon emission policy, working closely with the IFA. Colin Bevington said that Borgosh Energy were helping their customers transition affordably to a lower carbon future. They had a long-standing relationship with the IFA and were proud to be working together on this initiative. It would drive solar energy generation on farms and help farmers lower their carbon footprint, leading to long-term sustainable farming. John O'Connor for Farm. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Talk. Farm Talk on C103. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, has welcomed the launch of this next phase of consultation on Ireland's application for PGI status for Irish grass-fed beef by the European Commission. Mr McConnellog welcomed the application had progressed to this stage of the process following the European Commission's scrutiny of the application. It was now open, he said, to other member states and third countries having a legitimate interest to make submissions and applications with the Commission within a three-month period. Minister McConnellog said that in regard to the possibility of extending the geographical area of the PGI to include Northern Ireland at the appropriate time, his department and Board Beer continue to liaise with their counterparts in Northern Ireland. 
he understood the Commission would now be available to join these discussions as needed. Minister McConnell was keen to see the PGI application be extended on an all-island basis for Ireland, as he believed it could be beneficial to all our beef farmers, both north and south. The consultation procedure now launched allows third countries, or a member state, other than Ireland, where a national procedure was held in 2020, before the application was sent to the European Commission, having a legitimate interest to lodge a notice of opposition with the Commission, supported by a reasoned statement of opposition. The three-month period for opposition may be extended by the European Commission. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Edmund Moakley, Tiger's Dairy Advisor Mallow, joins us again as we continue our yearly review of dairy farm business and plans for 2022. This week, a look at cost versus return and how that might roll out in the coming year. The big ones at the moment are the price of ration is creeping up. The price of fertiliser is after bouncing up. Let's say it's gone to huge figures. Let's say there's very high quotes being given for forward buying fertiliser for the coming year. That's going to have a knock-on to the cost of silage. Diesel has also been increasing in price, so that's going to have a knock-on in it. And then the grass grass is going to be up as well, your cost, let's say, where we would talk talked 8 cents per kilo dry matter in the past. You could be talking anywhere from 9 to 11 cents per kilo dry matter for grass grass going forward. That's going to increase the cost per cow by €100 Euros a head for the ration side, potentially if ration went up to 350 a tonne. Um, it could potentially go up €100 Euros per cow just to feed her silage for the 12 months and €66 Euros to feed her grass for the 12 months. So they're the kind of increase in cost. So you could be taking your cow from 764 in 2021 up to potentially around 1,000 euros just to feed her for 2022. I suppose the positive on the other side of that is, right, I went back and I looked at the average dairy gold milk price in November 2020 versus the average dairy gold milk price paid to date for November 21. There's a difference between the two of 5.7 cents. So if we said that the costs in 2022 would jump up 266, the price, if that cow is doing around 5,500 litres, she would be up over 300 euros. So you're still coming out with money. The point to be made in all of that, though, is that's provided you have the cow doing 5,500 litres and that she's doing good butter fat and good protein and that her milk is all of a quality that can be sold at optimum price to the crop and that that cow doesn't have other issues like lameness or, let's say, fertility issues, things like that. So they're the important ones, right? It is positive if you have the code, the animal that's performing, but you have to dig in on it. To take, like, it's just, it's just putting people back, putting the emphasis back and having good stock, um, stock are performing and the land is performing because everything that I've alluded to there is dependent on that. So take that in just to the final step, I suppose. When you're looking at the land, right, how much far- farmland are you actually farming? What's the grazing block? Pull out pasture base. There has been even farmers gone, signed up to pasture base in the past 12 months because of the requirements under derogation. You know how much grass you're growing on your farm. So there's no good in reading it out to the farmer's journal or hearing me say it on the radio. It's actually going back and asking the question, what am I actually growing on my own farm? Because that's what matters. It's not what's done in Curtins. It's not what's done in Moorpark. It's not what's done on any other farm. It's what's done on your own farm. And pasture base is the only way of knowing that. And then pull out another one, which is the um, soil samples or your um, soil fertility plan and assessing is there a ground that needs to be corrected, corrected for phosphorus, for potash, or the big one lime, let's say, just to get it performing at optimal. On the cow front, the information is available through Herb Plus from ICBF. Um, it's available on the Dairy Gold Gateway, which is what's sold out the gate and what um, you get paid for. 
and then there'll be other information to be available as well from be it the local mart or maybe from the factory where you may have sold, sold cold cows to tell you the weights of the cows and what stock you're dealing with I suppose finally it's just go back then look at your accounts are you making money um, there's one thing saying that you go in let's say that you get the milk check and that's great you love it you're filling up the tank and that you're getting a big check at the end of the month but how much of that is profit how much of that is left in your pocket making it worthwhile doing what you do and the other one then is um, the e-profit monitor which we do ourselves in Tagusk and currently I would be sending them out and I presume the other advisor will be doing as well that uh, we'll be trying to get people to do them in the next month just to look in and do a detailed review of where your farm is at for your own use as such that you'd have a good overview of it the labour side of it I suppose just are you able to take the break to do what I'm proposing at the moment is the time there to do it are you in a scenario, let's say, where you're working from um, dawn till dusk, let's say, trying to get the job done and you can't get help in at any time during the week? So is there a need to take action on that as well or is there something that should be done on it? And then I suppose, have you good help, let's say, when you do get it? Is the contractor reliable and able to come when he's wanted? Um, is there a release maker to be got if you're trying to get away for a break? I suppose, look, what it's all about, it's money in versus money out. The big one is digging in, looking at the whole or looking at an overview of the whole farm enterprise and seeing, right, where can I improve? Where maybe is there improvements not to be made and is it viable? There are the things I'm kind of getting people to review. The Irish Drinks Industry Annual Review shows a resilient sector in the face of Europe's strictest lockdown measures. Companies have had to diversify and work together to ensure a safe reopening of the hospitality sector. Again, the sector is in the midst of restrictions. So how has it been for craft producers and those who supply the industry from the land? Patricia Callan is director of Drinks Ireland. Immediately when the pandemic hit, um, they, the members very much wanted to play their part in the national effort. So at the time that hand sanitizer was basically unavailable, many uh, of the distilleries actually turned their production processes to either create alcohol to send to pharma companies to make hand sanitizer or to actually change their whole processes to do it themselves. And then they passed that on into their communities at cost or free of charge. So they certainly did play a vital role in, in the early phases. Uh, but as we went from lockdown to lockdown, obviously the short notice periods of that was particularly de- detrimental. So on three separate occasions, we had to collect out-of-date beer and cider from over 7,000 pubs, restaurants and bars uh, nationally because it had gone off. We did that at no cost to those hospitality venues and obviously bore the brunt in terms of, of recycling, reusing that and, and disposing of it in an environmentally friendly manner. Um, and certainly it was the government supports have been really important in supporting hospitality as in the supply chain, further up the supply chain in terms of our craft brewers and craft ciders, those supports weren't as forthcoming. Certainly they got the employment supports, but in terms of the, the actual funding for when businesses were closed, they weren't available. And those businesses really have, have had to, to struggle through and really look to it themselves in terms of trying to drive innovation. And really, we're, I think everyone is well set now for, for to be on this and to actually get back into markets. Uh, we saw a number of weeks ago when, when the U.S. Uh, reopened to external visitors, many of our members were in that first play now trying to get back in front of their customers and, and reaffirm their base abroad because obviously that's really important in our industry. You say the craft brewers and the distillers there have had a difficult time. Is that still continuing? Is it likely to continue into 2022? Well, I think in terms of the, the craft brewers and cideries, they are more impacted because they rely on the hospitality venues to, to both launch new products and uh, for, for the draft product, it can only be consumed in that environment. 
So we've certainly seen them pivot a lot uh, and do a lot of innovation in terms of new products and, and also a move to, to low and no. The spirit sector is more resilient uh, because, again, a lot of the time, for example, in the case of Irish whiskey, you have to legally lay the product down for three years. Mature product creates more value. So in that sector, generally, we've seen much more of a focus in terms of continuing to to produce, uh, to expand, and and those products then will be available to launch hopefully post-pandemic. And we've certainly moved also as an industry towards much more premiumization, really focusing on the authenticity and the great products and brands we have here and the fact that we have three geographic indicators uh, which protect Irish whiskey, Irish cream and Irish poaching from fake products overseas. So I think that's really, really uh, been an important play for the industry and a differentiator for us in this country compared to other countries. And that's made us much more resilient. Those that produce the raw materials, Patricia, you know, the grain, the malt, the barley for the brewing, beer, cider, spirits. What kind of a year has it been for them? Well, it's, it's again been very positive in terms of as an industry. It's a great story to tell. And I certainly think in terms of, of our overall purchasing of Irish tillage that that's, we were very conscious that we wanted the government and we've made submissions in terms of both CAP and the agri-food strategy in terms of trying to actually put a focus now in tillage getting more land uh, planted in terms of giving us a greater variety of crops and we're beginning to innovate in terms of moving to new crops in terms of, of production process as well. So we really view the farmer as a key partner. And then obviously on the dairy side, uh, in terms of Irish cream production, we're massive consumers as well. Uh, and apples, it's the raw material, obviously, for great cider. So uh, we're, we're very, uh, have great relationships right, right through the whole farming supply chain. And we really value that relationship. Patricia Callan, Director of Drinks Ireland. Timely reminder now, Roberts Cove Vintage Festival annual tractor and car run hosted by Roberts Cove Vintage Festival will take place on Sunday, January 2nd, 2022 at 3 o'clock. Sunday, the 2nd of January, 2022 at Tracton GAA Grounds, Manan Bridge. Farm Talk on C103. Regarding the 2021 sheep and goat census forms, annual sheep and goat census forms have now been issued to over 48,000 sheep and goat keepers registered with the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. In keeping with previous years, the department has selected Friday 31st of December as the 2021 census date. Keepers should be aware that completion and return of the census is a legal obligation. Keepers are also kindly required to record the census data on their flock registers. Failure to return a completed form on time could impact on eligibility for certain Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine schemes. The Department would encourage all keepers to return their census forms data online through www.agfood.ie, all lowercase. While postal returns will be accepted, the cut-off date for submission is 31st of January 2022. Completed forms returned by post must arrive at the address printed on the envelope provided with the census form no later than 31st of January 2022. The department point out it is not permitted to submit forms by post through any office of the department. An extended deadline of 14th of February 2022 applies to online returns only. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marines reminding farmers and advisors that the deadline to submit all nitrates records in relation to movements of organic manure online, formerly record three form, temporary movement of animals, record four form, and short-term rental grazing agreements, record five forms, is 31st of December 2021 for all of those. The department point out 
they would like all farmers to be advised that all exports of organic manures should now be submitted and verified online. The department point out the functionality to have agents act on behalf of pig producers is also now available. Authorisation forms are available on the following www.agfood.ie and go forward after that. However, in the case of pig and poultry manure, certain partnership cases where exporters or importers are deceased and the importer does not have a herd number, paper records will be accepted before the deadline of 31st of December 2021. This also applies to Record 4 forms, temporary movement of animals. Record 5 forms, short-term rental grazing agreements. All forms and information in relation to nitrates can be found on the department's website. Please note, all online declarations must be verified and accepted by the importer by this date also. And there's been an extension to the closing date for submission of equine census returns. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Sharon McConnell-Lugs, announced the closing date for census submission is being extended until Monday, 17th of January 2022. The Minister thanked horse keepers for the high level of engagement with the census so far, which for the first time creates a link between an equine and the premises in which it is kept. The Minister highlighted the potential benefits of such links in terms of managing an equine disease outbreak. The Minister said the deadline was being extended as a result of some technical difficulties with the online system for submitting equine census returns. Minister McConnell regretted issues had occurred with the online system in the Department for submitting census returns and this had presented an obstacle to some equine keepers in attempting to make their returns. Minister McConnell said his department was working hard to resolve these online issues, which will be fixed as a matter of urgency, he pledged. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Jamie Crummy is the co-founder of the app Too Good To Go, recently launched in Ireland, which fights food waste. A topical subject at this time of the year, post-Christmas and New Year. The food waste problem is very serious indeed. Uh, you know, food waste itself is, is really feeding, feeding climate change. You know, we, we actually waste 40% of the food that is produced globally. And as a result, food waste accounts for 10% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, which means that if food waste was a country, you know, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter after the US and China. Now, we're at a particular time of the year. It's seasonal to talk about this because I'd imagine that there's more food waste going on than there is at any other time of the year. Would I be right? You're very right indeed. It's, it's, it really is sad to see the amount of food that we, that we do throw away at Christmas. Um, but it's, it's also a, a chance for us to you know, change those habits coming into, uh, into the festive period now. You know, we can, we can utilize our freezers, freeze food, which we, don't, uh, which, which we don't eat, share food with friends and other families, um, but also look at ways in which we can start, um, uh, start cutting, cutting our, our wastage down as well. And, of course, using platforms like, like Tuga to go to help rescue food, which would otherwise go to waste. And when we talk about food waste, Jamie, what is food waste? It's perfectly edible food which would otherwise have gone to other, otherwise have gone to waste. So it could be something as as simple as food from a bakery which would otherwise be thrown away, um, or food from from supermarkets which is you know gone beyond its its best before date or use by date and um, before it could be eaten. 
So it's all perfectly edible food, but for whatever reason, we've ended up wasting it. So that's what we refer to when we, when we talk about food waste. There is something that we can do with this to eliminate that food waste. Of course, yes. So many things that we can do. You know, we as individuals can start changing some of our own, our own habits, the way in which we engage with food, looking at, at, at small little hacks that we can do in our own lives, uh, whether that's, as I say, using, using your, your freezer, sharing more food that you may have left over, or utilizing technology through apps like like too good to go but it's also you know through businesses and and through government that we can see change as well so businesses looking to you know reduce their food waste similarly are able to use platforms like too good to go to ensure that any of their perfectly good food you know doesn't have to go to waste and similarly with when we talk about governments it's how can they you know take the initiative and lead by example by introducing legislative proposals which, um, which address food waste front on. Now, I read in the Sunday Independent Life magazine recently about the Too Good To Go, and you've spoken about it there, the Too Good To Go app. Tell me a little bit more about it. So we founded Too Good To Go coming on six years now, and it's a, it's a mobile platform which connects individuals with businesses who have surplus food for sale. So people simply log on to the, onto the Too Good To Go app, and you'll see a whole host of participating food businesses from local bakeries through to high street coffee chains, restaurants, to supermarkets and hotels. You purchase a surprise bag on the app for a reduced price and then go and collect it from that business during a, you know, a allotted collection window. So it is a, a surprise as to what you get, um, but it's a, it's a really fun and simple way to start reducing um, food waste in your own life. Now, we're operating in 17 countries around the world, uh, but we've just launched most recently in, in Ireland itself. So we're, we're currently live in, in Dublin, and the, you know, as we work with, with over 200 businesses there in, in Dublin itself, and we'll be looking to expand across Ireland uh, in the new year. So it won't be too long till uh, you'll be a- able to rescue your surprise bags and um, up in up in Cork. And are people beginning to engage with it already, Jamie? Yes, it's brilliant to see the uh, the, the engagement so far. You know, we've rescued over thirty thousand meals in Dublin alone, which is which is brilliant to see uh, the the level of impact that we're having there. Um, and it's going from from strength to strength. So it is uh, it's, it's it's brilliant to be an island. Um, it's brilliant to be rescuing food um, with the I- I- Irish people because you know food is so important. Irish culture that it's such a shame to see to see perfectly good fresh produce local food going to waste. A farm manager from County Cork has been named the 2021 FBD Young Farmer of the Year. Owen Ashton manages a dairy herd of 180 cows in Castle Lines, having developed the farm and focused on environmental sustainability. The awards are in their 23rd year and sponsored by FBD Insurance, supported by Mocker and the Farma in association with the IFA and National Rural Network. The aim is to recognise the top young farmers in the country. Reminder again, the Roberts Cove Vintage annual tractor car run hosted by Roberts Cove Vintage Festival. Tomorrow, Sunday, January 2nd, 3 o'clock, at Tracton GAA Grounds, Manan Bridge. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.